Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> BFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. Hour one in the books. We're into hour two. The show flies, man. When I'm having fun on this show, it flies by. Good stuff in hour one. Grab a podcast if you missed it. Hour two, we're going to take a forward-looking approach at recruiting. How much has recruiting been impacted by what we're seeing with USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. Is the, are there short-term impacts? Are recruits suddenly looking around going, well, wait a minute, I don't want to go to Oregon. I don't want to go to Oregon State because they're not going to play in L.A. Are kids thinking that way? I guess that's what I'm asking. And what about the long-term implications? How much is recruiting factoring right now in these conference alignments? Greg Biggins, I think he's the best. He is the national recruiting analyst for 24-7 sports. He's also a man of the world. Sometimes when we call him, he's just mowed his lawn or he's, you know, his kids are, uh, you know, he's hanging out with his kids. He's a normal person is what I'm saying. Greg Biggins, what have you been doing today? (laughs) Not a lot. I wish I had something exciting to say. You know, I did this or that, hiked up something, but no, I've just been (laughs) relaxing, took a kid to the, I mean, something's, you got four kids, something's always going wrong, right? So I took one to the doctor, had a little strep throat. Um, yeah. But that, that's the most exciting thing I've, I've done today, unfortunately, is just little little throat culture stuff. It's like Us Magazine when they're like, when they go, they're like us, they pump gas, they get coffee. That's, <laughs> that's like your life, Greg Biggins. I am I am exactly the most regular human being you'll ever see in your life. People would be stunned how boring my life really is outside of the kids causing a lot of chaos. Everything else, I'm just like everyone else. Biggins, let's talk recruiting. Uh, you see USC, UCLA going to the Big Ten. What's your first thought when that happens last Thursday, that news breaks? Man, so, so I was I was stunned. I thought it was a joke, honestly. Uh, you know, Brendan Huffman and, and myself and uh, Blair Angulo, we kind of have a little, our cool little group chat, and I, we always kind of fire stuff at each other. I thought it was a joke, and I was like, what? Uh, I, I think i, I got to watch my words. I don't want to sound like I'm insulting anybody. I, mean, I, I think USC's built for it, right? They're kind of a – you know, obviously they've invested a ton in, in Lincoln and, and getting that program, you know, built up. But my first thought was, man, UCLA, that's, you know, the Big Ten's a different animal. Are they willing? And, and again, I, I'm not saying anything differently than all the message board posters on Bruin Report Online would probably say. But my first thought was kind of like, okay, they're going to get this influx of money. How much is going to go to the to the football, basketball program and how much is going to go to the new science department, the Spanish department, you know, foreign language. That You know what I'm saying? Like my first thought was, okay, UCLA, I think it's going to take that money and actually invest it in sports or use it to try to be like Stanford and, and pump up that. So, you know, I, I think I think it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm fascinated. I think they'll be fine. UCLA will be fine in basketball. I think USC football-wise is going to be exciting to kind of see what they do uh, amidst some of those, you know, elite, recruiting powerhouses like Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Um, Iowa is very good. Michigan State's coming up. I mean, it's a, it's a really good conference overall. overall. And um, so that was my first thought was USC football should be fun. UCLA football, 
I hope they invest properly. I hope Chip gets a little more aggressive recruiting-wise. Otherwise, they might really struggle. Yeah, and when you talk about that, you know, give us an idea from a recruiting standpoint because those two schools will tout, hey, we're in this hotbed of talent in recruiting talent. But I have to think the Big Ten schools are also going, well, guess what? We now get to come to L.A. It's already happening. Yeah, no, it's already happening. You're hearing kids say, hey, I got a call from – you know, Michigan State saying, hey, you come here, now you can go home at least once a year, right? Obviously, we don't know what the schedules are like, but you have to assume, you know, a lot of these schools are going to probably have at least one road trip to play USC or UCLA. So, yeah, whereas USC and UCLA can recruit Midwest kids and say, hey, you know, you can come to USC and still be, you know, play several games kind of with your friends and family back in the Midwest, those schools were able to do that, and they already are, and and we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see how much of a factor that is. And you know, the reality is, it's you know, if you want to go to Michigan, um, you're going to go to Michigan. I don't, I don't know if you're going to be swayed, you know, pro or, or con if you can come home to LA one one time, maybe every you know every year. I, I just don't know. Um, I'm more, and I don't want to skip ahead. I'm I'm kind of more fascinated about what the local kids out west are going to think about what's going to become of the other Pac-12 schools, right? So that's what I'm more fascinated by. Yeah, and what about, you know, we've watched over the years Oregon perform very well in that Southern California market and, and go beat USC using a bunch of Southern California kids that you covered as they grow up. Does this close the door on Oregon's, you know, pipeline, I guess, to Southern California, or is it to be determined? I don't think it closes any doors because I feel like those school, uh, those kids, excuse me, were choosing Oregon because they loved Oregon. You know, they loved the coaching staff. They want to win. They love the facilities, the uniform combinations. They loved all that. So it wasn't just, you know, hey, I'm going to go to Oregon because Oregon's going to come and, and play, you know, SC, UCLA a couple times while I'm, you know, going to college. I think if Oregon was located, you know, even further, you know, maybe more centrally located, I think kids are still going to Oregon. You know what I mean? Or Oregon is a national brand right now. They're able to go into Florida and get kids. They're able to go into the Midwest and get kids. They're able to go anywhere and get kids because, again, they have an aggressive staff. They have, well, these kids, people talk about tradition, right? And I'm, I'm a tradition. Yeah. I've said this a thousand times probably the last week. I, I like to see the schools like USC and Texas and Florida State and Notre Dame be good. I think it makes football fun if they're relevant. I think that when these kids that are now in high school, were, when they were young, Oregon was the team, right? DeAnthony Thomas and Marcus Mariota, those were the guys that these kids grew up watching. So I think right now, whether Oregon is in the Pac-12, Pac-10, the Big 12, big I don't think kids care. They will still go to Oregon because that staff recruits maniacally. They have a great brand to sell, and, and they're going to be really good for, for the foreseeable future. Greg Biggins, National Recruiting Analyst, 24-7 Sports, is with us. Long-term big picture – let me just throw some hypotheticals at you. Let's just say that it is the Pac-12 or what's left of it in a partnership with the ACC, meaning we're going to see some games where Clemson or Florida State or Miami end up playing Utah or Oregon or Washington. Can that help the Pac-12, or is it you know, sort of like, you know, hey, it's, it's neither great nor bad, or how do you see sort of a partnership where you might see an occasional ACC opponent playing a Pac-12 team? And I just, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being naive. I just don't see it as being that much of a of a deal changer. You know what I mean? Like if you're a kid, right, and and you really like a certain school, 
is it going to be when you have your top five factors, and you, you and I have talked a lot about NIL, I think that plays a bigger role. You know, mm. coach relationship plays a bigger role. Lo- location where you're going to be living for most of your time is going to play a bigger role. Hopefully academics still matters a little bit. That's going to play a role. Dev chart's still going to play a role. I just I can't think of the kid that's going to sit there and say, yeah, I'm not sure if I can go to that school, but you know what, they're going to play Clemson, so I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm, now I'm going to go to that school because yeah. of who they're going to be playing against once out of every couple of years. I just, I just don't see it. And so, yeah, I think you can still sell it. Like I said, I think, you know, UCLA, USC, for example, you know, they should be able to have success going into the Midwest and recruiting kids because they can say, hey, we're going to be coming to, to play a lot of away games in your neck of the woods. This, you know, this is kind of the best of both worlds for you, right? You want to come out west anyway. You didn't want to lose, you know, leave your family. You didn't want them to want them to be able to see you play, and now they can kind of still see you play. I think that'll that'll carry some weight, but I just don't see, you know, the kid making a, a, a life altering decision because oh, we might get to play Florida State one time. I just I just don't see it, but I could be wrong. I'm, so I'm I'm curious to see what's going to happen in a few years. Well, I think one of the things that you get that I don't get at all is you get a glimpse into kind of the mentality or the thinking that these recruits have. And so I think sometimes the rest of us get caught up on stuff that matters to us. But you know what these kids that are being recruited, you know what's important to them. And I think you're speaking to that. So I think it's really valuable. What about the short term right now? Do you find that you are – it has like the last few days done anything with – UCLA, USC recruiting, Pac-12 recruiting that, that jumps out to you, or does it feel like it's just status quo? Uh, right now, I, I still feel like it's status quo. Now, this is, I don't know, this is interesting. So I talked to a kid, and I'm not going to give a name, but he's, you know, he's a kid in, in our top 247 who is going to commit to Cal, and he's backed off that hmm. because he's not sure where, where Cal is going to be. So, where I, you know, I, I might make light of the fact of, oh, you know, going to playing a game against Clemson, that's not going to be a deal-breaker. I, I do think kids want to know, hey, is, is the conference I'm going to be playing, is it still even going to be a Power 5 conference? I still think that's, that's going to matter. So whereas, you know, we can kind of make light of some, you know, some things, I, I do think the schools like a Cal, um, you know, we'll see, you know, an, an Oregon State, a Washington State. You know, Oregon State's doing really well right now. And so, so far I haven't seen them affected at all. Uh, but, again, you know, you're going to probably hear other schools will negative recruit and say, you don't want to go to Oregon State, too. They might be playing in a Mountain West Conference type deal, right? I mean, you just don't know. But if it's possible to, to hurt a school, people will say whatever they want, even if they're just making stuff up. So I think people do want to know, okay, what conference will my school be playing in? Is there still going to be a Power 5 conference? Is, is for the, these four or five Pac-12 schools, they going to merge with the Big 12? Are we doing something with the ACC? Uh, or do we still have a chance to go into the Big Ten if you're talking Oregon, if you're talking Washington, right? I think that's still kind of making some people maybe have a little bit of a little bit of trepidation. But um, you know, overall, I, I think right now it's it's still you're still seeing kind of business as usual for a lot of these recruits. Greg Biggins, twenty four seven Sports National Recruiting Analyst, is with us. Uh, you mentioned Oregon State. I did notice Jonathan Smith was busy on social media. Picked up uh, a couple of offensive linemen a wide receiver, a defensive back. What is happening with Oregon State recruiting? Now they're doing well. They're doing really well, right? I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't, I, I wish I could say, well, it's because of this, but uh, I mean, I think from the, the moment he got there, Jonathan and his staff, they've always done a really nice job of being, you know, they grind hard. They're, they're very smart. 
They don't go after guys they don't have a chance with. There's always a saying in recruiting, you got to know who you can and can't get. Don't waste your time on kids that you cannot get. So I think they're being pretty strategic, and uh, they're doing a nice job. I mean, I, I really like the guys they're bringing. I love the quarterback, Aiden Childs. I mean, for me, he is a high-level Power 5 guy who, you know, I was at the Elite 11 last week, and he would have been he would have been throw for throw with a lot of those guys. I think he's a top 20 guy just looking at his skill set. You know, he's not even close to where he's going to be. So, you know, in the past, we've kind of said, oh, Oregon State, they're going to hit the portal really hard, maybe going to bring in only like eight or nine high school kids. They're going to bring in 10 to 15 portal kids. And I still like that strategy of going portal heavy for schools like Oregon State uh, who traditionally aren't going to get the, the high-level guys out of high school where they can get those guys maybe, you know, on the bounce back through the portal. But, no, man, right now, Jonathan and, and that staff, they're, they're doing really well. So I'm, I'd love to see it. We're talking to Greg Biggins, 24-7 Sports. Stanford and Cal, it's interesting. You mentioned the one recruit backing off of Cal. Uh, I have heard you know, some different things, some wild things in the last 24 hours about what could happen to them. You know, it, it ranges from, hey, they'll stay in the Pac-12, or maybe the Big Ten would want Stanford more than it would want Oregon, to, hey, maybe Stanford and Cal will just not play football a decade from now. Um, you know, the recruiting that David Shaw has done – how different is that Stanford recruiting experience than maybe the rest of college football or the rest of the most of college football? Yeah, Stanford is unique, but you know, but he's coming off, you know, a, I, I want to say, a, a, you know, a top thirty. Now, because of our rankings, now we're kind of putting portal, you know, rankings into the mix. I'm not sure where they they, they finished up, but Stanford had a top twenty-five, top thirty class last year, and they're doing pretty well this year too. You know, Stanford, I feel like it's still Stanford. Kids are still going to – if you can get into Stanford and you've cleared admissions and you took a visit, their hit rate is probably higher than every school in the country. And I'm not even exaggerating. I know I know. one year, a few years back, they were like 15 for 15, meaning if you took your official visit to Stanford and you were academically cleared through their admissions process, they got every single one of their guys that they tripped in. They, they didn't lose anybody. It, it's, it's remarkable how they do it. And, and I think I don't think that's going to ever change. And I've heard some stuff like you have. You're you're way more dialed in. But I, I heard some crazy. You know, hey, maybe they might just join the Ivy League. I, I just yeah. don't see that happening. I still think Stanford is they're elite, not just you know, in, in so many different sports, right? I mean, you know, I, I think Stanford's built to be you know, in you know, in a number of different conferences. They're competitive in, in every single sport. Not so you know, when you and I were younger, John, they were basketball man. They had some really good basketball teams you know, back in the Mark Madsen days, but, you know, they kind of slipped a little bit there, but Stanford is still highly competitive in just about every other sport and, and football. So I don't see them just kind of not having a team in 10 years. I have, I have not heard that one yet. That's kind of absurd to me, but yeah, where do you place Stanford, right? Where do you place college? You know, big, I heard that I, you know, there was talk, Hey, Notre Dame, Stanford, we want to make sure the big team still has a, a nice little academic, you know, side of it too. So does Stanford make more sense than a, than an Oregon Washington? I, I don't know. It's, it's it's kind of fun to speculate, right? I, I but I I really have no idea where they're going to put some of these teams. Yeah, I think what's going to happen, and let me just float this to you. You tell me if this helps or hurts the Pac-12. I think they're going to have a partnership with the ACC, and they'll band together. And I think the Pac-12 will try to replace UCLA and USC with somebody like Baylor. Houston, Kansas, Kansas State, because in basketball you'd love to have Kansas. But I think they're going to try to do that and then just try to position themselves as the number three as you know the Big Ten and the SEC go forward. 
I think you and I have talked before, Greg, about what kids really value. How big is being in the playoff to these recruits? I, I do think it's big. You know, and I think that kind of, kind of goes back to what I said earlier about they want to make sure if they're going to be in the Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever, is it still going to be considered a Power 5 or is it going to be, you know, kind of brought down to Mountain West level? And I'm not insulting the Mountain West because I, I love half of those schools, SDSU and Fresno and Boise State. So what you, you, what you just said, the scenario with the Kansas schools, I mean, that works for me. I think that's, I think that's doable. And, again, you, you get, like I said, you get the basketball element on that side and you get the football element on, on that side also. You kind of get the best of both worlds. And, you know, I just I, – I don't necessarily love the idea of having, like, these three power conferences and then everyone else kind of just not really relevant. You know, I kind of miss the old days where you had – you know, and I, I know we'll never get that back, but you had, like, five or six power conferences and, and all these different bowl games all mattered. Um, but, shoot, man, if, if it's the best you can we can get, you know, with a, a Big 12 – Slash Pac-12 kind of united together. You got your eight SEC in the Big Ten. If that's if that's the best we got, I guess I'll take that. It's just uh, it's going to kind of get hard for me to get used to seeing some of these teams in all these radical conferences. It's going to. I mean, it's I didn't see it happening, you know, a couple years ago. But I guess kind of the side of the times right now that we're going for. Yeah, it, you know what it feels like to me. It was like you know, I grew up when the Houston Astros were in the National League West, and then you know, you know, it all changed. Or I had a lunch pail had twenty eight helmets on it biggins when i was a kid and that yeah. was that was the nfl and all of a sudden i was like what they're adding teams and all of a sudden you know the astros are not in the nl west like what is happening to baseball and i just think it's going to take some adjustment but i'm just really curious i think you work in like the most interesting fascinating part of this whole equation and i i have to wonder like you know i'm sure parents and kids ask you what you think is going to happen like what advice do you give to recruits or what do you tell them if they ask you what do you think is going to happen biggins yeah honestly i'm i'm always extra hyper careful not to say anything that can be construed as i'm trying to like either recruit for or against so i usually mm -hmm. just i mean i'm super super careful and honestly right now i don't really doesn't it's not hard for me to be careful because i don't know it's easy for me to say honestly i don't know what's going to happen so that's kind of my my generic answer um, you know, I still always said the same thing when you, when you pick a school, right, you, you almost kind of have to take football or your sport maybe just out of the equation and ask yourself, hey, would you still want to be at that particular school? Do you have life goals that are more than three or four years old? Hopefully they're 45, 50 years old. Does this particular school help you reach those? And, and when I say that, that school, I don't mean a particular school. I'm just talking in general. So that all still applies for me. Um, but when they say, hey, is this, are we going to be in this conference, that conference? I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know. All I know is SC is still here in the Big Ten. I don't know where anything, what else is going to go. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, honestly, John, the reaction I'm, I'm getting is right now they don't really care as much. They're, mm -hmm. they're just thinking, okay, if I like that school, I'm going to still go to that school, whether they're in this conference or not. So we'll see how long that, long that stays. All right. Uh, finally, Lincoln Riley was putting together, I think, uh, at least offensively, a team I was really looking forward to seeing compete in the next two or three years and it'll be they'll be gone in 2024 how much more difficult will recruiting be for usc in the big 10 or does this help lincoln riley knowing that hey we're going to be with the halves we're going to be right prime position for the playoff you want to you want to play in the biggest games you want to play ohio state come to usc yeah no i think it does I, honestly i think it does help that for the simple fact that i i think people just have such a negative view of West Coast Pac-12 football right now. You know, when I'm when I'm out there, and I don't really notice it unless you go to, like, a national event. Everyone kind of, like, almost mocks 
you know, football out west. It's soft. You guys don't have any teams. You guys are, you know, one or two team conference, if that. And if you guys play in the real league, blah, blah, blah. I hear that a lot from people. So all of a sudden I think USC is in, in the Big Ten. I think it's going to be more difficult to win, to win games. I think, you know, the Big Ten as a whole probably has more good teams, stronger teams. Um, but I think it's going to help them recruit that area. I think USC was already doing a nice job recruiting nationally. I think they can still do that, recruit nationally even more in certain parts of the country. And um, so I, I think long-term, no, I think, it, I think it's going to help USC, believe it or not. There it is, Greg Biggins, 24-7 Sports. Follow him on Twitter. Read him at 24-7 Sports. Catch him here on this show occasionally. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate your time, Greg. Always, always fun, John. Thanks for having me. All right, there he is, Greg Biggins, 24-7 Sports. Let's, let's, uh, let's download a little bit on this, guys. Uh, let me, Steven, Sean, give me one thing that Biggins talked about that jumped out to you. Just Oregon State's recruiting and just the fact that they are able to continue to recruit at a high level despite all of the turmoil. Even right now, it seems like they're recruiting at a super high level. Like They're going through a stadium reconstruction. They're going through conference turmoil, maybe more more so than any other school in the Pac-12 right now. And Jonathan Smith continues to uh, recruit at a really high level. It was, it was interesting to hear him talk about that. I like the the Stanford being valuable things. You know, it's, it's not just all about the football. Like, we just... We're so narrow-minded, I feel like, right now, just thinking about football, football, football. But he brought up great points of all the other sports that Stanford is so good at and how valuable they can be and how it's such a good institution. Like, they had actually a pretty valuable commodity to have in the Pac-12. And so it was really interesting to think about that because I just I don't even think about that. I just think about football and how they've been you know, a little down the last few seasons. But even in football, they've been uh, really good with David Shaw. So it's, it's going to be so interesting to see what happens, John. Yeah, I think, you know, from the as he was talking there, a few things jumped out at me. One is, you know, the idea that Oregon has recruited Southern California so well. Mario Cristobal, in particular, just recruited the hell out of Southern California, and then he beat USC and he beat UCLA with their own players from their own backyard. When Biggin said it does, this doesn't close the door for Oregon. That was big for me, because. He, you know, he points out those kids are choosing Oregon because they love Oregon. They love the coaching. They love the uniforms. They love all that stuff. They, they're not coming to Oregon because, hey, we're going to get to play at USC and UCLA uh, once a year. Now, we could end up being wrong. Like if Lincoln Riley really gets it together and he's playing in the Big Ten, you know, that helps him. And by virtue of that, that's going to hurt other programs that recruit Southern California. But it doesn't lock Oregon out by by just by virtue of the fact that, they're not going to be playing a game at the Coliseum or a game at the Rose Bowl in the regular season. I think that's really interesting. Coming up, Anna's going to pop in the studio. Much more ahead. You got the BFT statewide. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. You can get a podcast to this radio show wherever you get a podcast. More than 3 million people this year have already listened to a podcast to this radio show. I appreciate you if you're a podcaster. Make sure you make a commitment to us. The podcast is free. All you have to do is subscribe. And if you want, tell your friends. Give us a review. Give us some feedback. It's how other people find us. Uh, I appreciate you if you're podcasting. Anna has joined the show. Anna, you listen to a podcast. You listen to Smartless. 
Yes. What do you like about Smartless? That's oh, a podcast. Who's on it? What is what it? What is not to like? Uh, it's hosted by Sean Hayes, Will Arnett, and Jason Bateman. Sean Hayes, people might remember from the show Will and Grace. Will Arnett kind of speaks for himself. Jason Bateman of Ozark fame. And they interview, they have great interviews, and they tease the heck out of each other, which is always hilarious. You, you can mean tell. like they give each other a hard time? Absolutely. Constantly. Yes. And they obviously have a good enough relationship where they feel justified in doing that, because sometimes they say things and you're like, oh, that would make me uncomfortable, but they, they're obviously good enough friends. But, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, a lot of inside kind of Hollywood information and i actually think it's great for people who want to go into a creative industry because they talk a lot about with their guests you know how did you get your break was it just dumb luck what are the sacrifices that you had to make to put yourself in a position of even being discovered you know how many jobs did you work at as a server uh in hollywood before somebody finally, you know, picked you up on an audition. And um, it's just fascinating. It's fascinating. They started it in the summer of 2020, in the pandemic. Yes. Episodes come out on Monday. Yes. The episode begins with one of the three hosts revealing a mystery guest to the other two. Yeah. So they don't. the other two do not know who's coming on the show. Yeah, that, they say Is that. Is that true? I I mean, maybe I should do that. I'm hard pressed to believe that that's really how it goes. Because yeah. you know how much coordination goes into booking guests. Yeah, but maybe yeah. they don't tell each other. It's, it's possible. They just say, "I have somebody." But yeah. the guest list is like this. It's it's like Seth Rogen, Will Ferrell, Robert Downey Jr., Jennifer Aniston, Adam Sandler, yeah. Reese Witherspoon, Paul McCartney, uh, Megan Rapino, Martin Short, like you know, Aquafina, George Clooney. It's Tina Fey, like they they have a they have some ins because of their industry. Yeah, and then but they don't always just do actors, actresses. They do directors too. So, so I think the interviews with the directors are always fascinating because you get a whole different perspective on how TV shows and movies are made. But they've interviewed like the Surgeon General. They've interviewed some scientists, and you know, not not everybody is sort of in the entertainment industry. They rope in some sports figures as well. I think they interviewed, yeah, they interviewed LeBron. That was a good one as well. All right, let me ask you this: um, Why does it work? Because this is what happened. They started this thing in the pandemic. Then all of a sudden, about twenty, thirty episodes in, Creative Arts Artists Agency acquires it from them or on their behalf starts shopping it they sold it to Amazon a year after starting it for 80 million dollars did they really I didn't know they that. made more money <laughs> on this podcast than they did acting in their careers oh my gosh 80 million combined dollars I'm sure they had some production costs so maybe they cleared 79 million nine hundred thousand or so <laughs> yeah but uh, pretty good return on investment for these three cats. Oh, yeah, especially since it's just them sitting around chatting with people. And, you know, they downplay, obviously, like why they've been so successful. But it's a great combination of really quick-witted people 
uh, with just a lot of inside knowledge. I mean, I didn't know, like, Jason Bateman has essentially, I forgot. I knew this, but I forgot. I didn't know that he's essentially grown up on television. Like, he started in show business when he was so young. And so he's got a lot to call upon when it comes to things that he's experienced, you know, people that he's seen and what he's learned over the years. It's fascinating to me that that thing, you listen to it. Like, you, you are a creature of habit anyway. I am? Yeah, you are. You really? just don't know it. Yeah, okay. you have habits. <laughs> uh, like when you leave to go somewhere, you generally will leave, and about 90 seconds later you come back through the door oh, yeah, to get what true. you forgot. Absolutely. Then you yes. go back to the car. Then you yeah. come back in the house. Yes. You're about a three-tripper. I am. Before yeah. you leave anywhere. Uh -huh. Yeah. And then you kind of look around. <laughs> you have this look on your face like, where is my purse or yeah. where is my phone? Where are my phone? phone. Yeah. yeah. How many times do you tell me, yeah. like, can you go beep on, beep my phone, beep my phone, yeah. or call my, my whole phone? day? My whole yeah. day is, can you beep my phone? Okay. So, what about this show? <laughs> the, what singular one thing hooks you? Um, it's just the wit. It's the quick wit and the humor, and um, it's it's the interaction between the three hosts. That alone, like, even if they didn't have a guest. I would just sit and listen to the three of them banter and give each other crap and, you know, and talk a little Hollywood because that, it's that good. I like it, too, because I kind of overhear what they're saying. I love the creative stuff when they start talking about, as you were pointing out earlier, like for people who want, are interested in, a, in, you know, in being a creator of anything. If you're an artist, if you're a writer, if you are musically inclined, I just think there's some common themes that you can get in listening to them about the creative process that are fascinating. Even if you're not a creator, it's like if you have any kind of entrepreneurial spirit uh, spirit in you at all, or you kind of voyeuristically are interested in how people got to where they are and the paths that they took, I mean, there's just some great content. Like the people, the actors, you know, who lived in shared studio apartments together, uh, off of Sunset Boulevard trying to put their money together until somebody could make a break, you know, and and when they take a deep dive into the creative process, Jason Bateman in particular is really geeked out on directing right now, and he will go off on a whole tangent about the directing process and how he actually enjoys acting, writing, and directing in the same piece of work which is so overwhelming to my brain. Like, I can't even imagine trying to direct myself in a performance and then, you know, jump in there and be effective at all, all of those things. Love it. Love the insight, the analysis. Why are you rolling your eyes? I'm not. You're, you kind of rolled your eyes like, oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important. I think, I think, you know, for people, like, look, we're, we were talking about this yesterday on the show. People's habits have changed when it comes to watching games. I think we like to point a finger at television and we like to blame television and say TV is bad, TV is putting money into college football, they've turned it into this money grab, it's all about entertainment. But but like if I'm really going to be real, if I'm going to look in the mirror, my habits when I watch games may have played a role in television doing what it's doing right now. I am seeking out entertainment. I am not sitting there watching games because that's my team. I'm going to watch that game wall to wall. I'm like everybody else where I'm watching like, you know, I'm on my phone looking at Twitter and then all of a sudden it's the fourth quarter and there's a good game going on. Oh, I got to get to Fox and watch it. I, it's definitely entertainment. 
like the culture of America and sports has shifted from watching sports because I'm passionate about sports to watching sports because I want to be entertained. And so I'm interested too, Anna, in like why you listen to one podcast and ignore all the other ones. Like, you know, there's a whole bunch of other podcasts you don't have time for. And I know, like, those true crime podcasts no, but... are so popular, you know? Like, everyone that I talk to listens to those. But I think for myself, as a former investigative reporter, it's too close to the stuff that I was doing when I was going into the state penitentiary and interviewing serial killers and that kind of thing. Like, uh, I can only be fascinated with it up to a certain point. Yeah, because you know too much. And I, yeah, and I know too much, yeah. You know, it's like people who work in restaurants. Go into a restaurant, somebody's worked there any length of time. i got to be honest, they don't want to eat the food there. Yeah, you know? I'm always shocked when they are eating the food. I'm yeah. like, really, aren't you sick of, like... Sushi Looking at it, man. I've worked in pizza parlors. I don't want to see pizza. I worked, I've worked in a number of restaurants as a server. I don't want to eat the food at those restaurants after a while. So true. But, you know, but this show keeps me coming back. This, this show is not like food. It's food for the soul, more or less. Leave it here. you got the BFT statewide on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.